in your corner, saving one investor at a time, working for clients, not companies, all while bullyproofing portfolios. Totally committed to sharing academic truths about investing, always representing Main Street and not Wall Street. It's your Sound Money team, and this is the Sound Money Investment Show with Brown Financial Advisors. Hello and welcome to the Sound Money Investment Show with Brown Financial Advisors. I'm Greg Brown. And I'm James Borth, and we are a registered investment advisory firm. We are independent. We do work for clients and not companies. To receive your complimentary and personalized financial income plan, give us a call at 513-575-9654. If you're seeking advice on an old 401k, 403b, some type of employer-sponsored plan, even perhaps an NUA analysis, all those and more we can help, 513-575-9654. Visit our website, brownfinancialadvisors.com. Email, share your thoughts to team at brownfinancialadvisors.com. Our home office is in Milford, but we also have locations in Blue Ash, Westchester, and Florence. Greg? Well, today we're going to discuss estate planning mistakes and how to avoid them. And if you're out there listening and, uh, and you like got up this morning and fogged a mirror, you have an estate. People underestimate the fact that they in, they have an estate. Um, and what's going to become of it when you're done with it? And then all the while, as a living benefit, what is the state of your estate? Because it matters. It's both a living and a death benefit consideration uh, in passing. It's a pre-legacy, legacy, and post-legacy consideration. And you just you need to know, we will help you with things just like this and much, much more. We help with uh, financial planning, income planning, Social Security maximization, pension maximization and decisions on do you take the check, do you take the lump sum, do you take a combination, do you have highly appreciable stock inside your 401k from one of the big companies you know, around the tri-state area that might have worked for all these years and you're, you're contemplating making the retirement transition and want to know the best way, most efficient way to approach that. And you're looking for investment management. We help with investments, insurance, tax planning, estate planning, income planning, financial planning, uh, Medicare, uh, healthcare transition when you're kind of in that gap between the company plan and the future of age 65 Medicare and you need to know what to do in between and how it all fits together. We do all those things. We are a holistic financial services firm. That means we're like the Mayo Clinic of financial services. And we will help you on a complimentary basis. We'll look at where you're at, what you have, the investments you hold, uh, make sure they're efficient, turn them inside out, do what's called a portfolio analysis review, a PAR. And we will look for, um, well, the, the internal cost, the internal risk you're actually taking doesn't line up with your plan, your purpose for money, your long-term goals, even your short-term goals and ambitions. Are you in the accumulation phase where you're still saving towards retirement and investing well and trying to make great decisions? And are you at the point where you're about to step into retirement? Or are you retired and you want to stay successfully retired? We help with all of that. We're unique. We work for clients, not companies. We have a fiduciary standard to put your interest first in every situation, every circumstance. It makes us so different. We're not a brokerage firm. We're not your insurance agents. We are your financial advisors who can help you with each phase of the financial transitions of life. Accumulation, distribution, distribution, and preservation, the three primary phases of your financial life. And that of your children and your grandchildren. Why not make it a family affair? We can help you all because someday, They'll receive your something, and then those folks will receive their something. And you're talking two and three generations before you can blink an eye. I don't know if you're like us, and you probably are. Life, <laughs> there's an old nationwide cliche, life comes at you fast. 
Boy, doesn't it? Zips right on by too. But we're going to talk about estate planning mistakes specifically today. Go online, check our website out, brownfinancialadvisors.com. In particular, go towards the, uh, the, the top menu. There's a section there called seminars. We have public seminars. You have a couple of ways that you can be, I guess, introduced uh, us one to another. One is you just, you just call, make an appointment, 513-575-9654, 575-9654. Or you just fill out a little form online that requests an appointment. Tell us a little bit about yourself. We will get together. We'll make it all about you in the first appointment. And in the second, it'll also be all about you. The findings of our analysis, the determinations, the recommendations, we won't hold anything back. You'll have a fully actionable financial plan and recommendations before you leave without obligation or cost. That means it's still free. And you'll know the exact cost of us engaging and working together, which people make great decisions when they get good information. And we think you ought to have just that. Also, another way is um, have dinner on us or dinner with us. Each month, we have a series of financial workshops where it's food, fun, and finance. And you're free to join us for a nice meal and um, a discussion and get to know a little bit more about each other before you jump in. So that is dinner with us at a nice restaurant. And then there's dinner on us. You're just, you're kind of like me and James here where we don't necessarily need someone to buy us a steak dinner uh, or sit with a bunch of strangers we don't know while we listen to someone that we also don't know. You can just come on in, go through the process, get the planning, get the recommendations and get a gift card. So you can take you and your significant other out to a private dinner. So we'll still honor the commitment to have food, fun, and finance. You'll just get to kind of go do it without us. So all of these ways and many more, just contact us. It's a great first step. James, where would you like to begin? Well, start at the beginning. More, more like a, I'd say, rhetorical question of, do you need an estate planning review? So it kind of goes like this. If you've experienced any of the following life events, and this is just some, some examples, there's many, many more. So we do encourage you to schedule Again, a complimentary estate planning review if something like this applies. You've had a birth or an adoption of a new child or grandchild. How about death or change in circumstances of the guardian, the executor, the trustee? A lot of times that's something that we see as far as a gap in people's estate plan is when they've had these different types of financial power of attorney documents, somehow, some way, the legal person, the attorney, left out the ability to update or change beneficiaries on the powers of attorney for the financial. That's a major, major problem. Another big one, it works in both ways, marriage or divorce. If either one applies or both of them apply, come see us. Change in your life or life insurance as far as your coverage is concerned or sometimes long-term care is concerned. If maybe a long-term care stay is in your future, there's a couple ways of handling that. One is paying dollar for dollar to the nursing home to the state of Ohio, or that's just it, having the state of Ohio starting to pay for things, which means you have to go through the Medicaid spend-down process. That can be extremely expensive, and it, there's many other complications involved with that. Family member dies, becomes ill, or becomes disabled. Sometimes what's more expensive is when they don't die, instead they're lingering in some type of disabled state, either at home or in a nursing facility. Oh, yeah, James, on that one, we find that it's important to restructure your assets, who owns them, how they're situated, how they're invested, because if someone is in a disabled state and requires some additional level of care, and let's say even nursing care, acute, subacute, long-term care, whatever the case, 
um, any assets in their name can go through what James was talking about, a spend down, a nursing home spend down. And, um, or if you leave money to someone with special needs who is also receiving specialized services, compensated, subsidized by the state, any money you leave them just get gobbled up and swiped. So how to structure it to go to other loved ones who will have the commitment, the faith, the relationship to ongoingly take care of that special person on your behalf when you're gone, um, whether formally structured through a will or trust or special needs trust, or if it's as simple as you left a letter of instruction, you have an understanding with this other family member or adult child to take care of their sibling and they'll just make sure it's done. And you trust that. And, and, um, there's so many ways to approach it. You can get overly legalistic and overly complicated. Sometimes it's just keep it simple, right? Kiss. Oh yeah. Or a very underrated one, I, I guess on the appearance of it would be career changes. This might mean for people who own businesses, this is, extremely important to make sure a proper transition either can or will occur as far as that's concerned. And last and certainly not least, this is whether you're on Team Red or Team Blue when it comes to politics, federal state laws can and will change. And that means that there's going to be impending changes coming up at the very, I'd say at the very latest, 2025, major legislative changes when it comes to the tax code that's going to affect not only that but also estates as well the amount that can protect be protected or exempted from estate taxes so federal and state law tax changes major major issue coming up soon okay so when we're looking at estate planning mistakes one of the first mistakes is kind of already mentioned um, just not believing or knowing or being fully aware you have an estate uh, no, no estate's too small. No estate's obviously too too large. So in addition to these major life events, to help ensure that your legacy, both the financial aspects and otherwise, are passed on in accordance to your wishes, uh, final or otherwise, um, and that your beneficiaries that you would like to structure do in fact receive your benefits as smoothly, as efficiently, as tax-friendly as possible, all the above um, applies, as guilt-free as possible, as uncontroversial as possible. What a horrible way to leave a legacy, leaving everyone behind you fighting um, and, and upset and all that goes with that. But believing your estate is too small to protect. So many people just assume their financial situation or, or family situation is so minimal and so simple that they don't even need to draft any formal document like an estate plan, will, or living trust. Well, the reality is no one's life is that simple. And um, even if it is somewhat not complicated, you should still consider putting protections in place to help ensure that your wishes are carried out. And if you have young children um, or grandchildren, um, anyone that you want to be in the line of succession for your parting gifts and prizes, it's important to decide who the guardian will be of the young ones and who's going to be the caretaker and keeper or conservator conservator of the money and and the stuff that um, is kind of, um, you know, on, in, in tow to be inherited as you pass away sooner than expected. You know, it's, it's one of those things, dying is typically an accident, right? They have another name for if it's not. Um, and it also, since it's an accident, typically it's not, you, you know, it just happens and you need to be ready in advance, wouldn't you agree? So a lot of situations apply. We'll go through many of these as we continue. Our phone number at the office, 513-575-9654. Call us, we can help. But stay tuned, you're listening to the Sound Money Investment Show with Brown Financial Advisors here on 55KRC. The talk station. 
Opinions expressed are solely those of Brown Financial Advisors and should not be interpreted as specific advice. Materials presented are believed to be from reliable sources and no representations can be made as to its accuracy. All ideas and information should be discussed in detail with one of our qualified investment advisors prior to implementation. Market-based investments involve risk and past performance is no guarantee of future results. Insurance-based investments offer guarantees based upon the claims-paying ability of the issuing company. All insurance, tax, and mortgage services are offered through Brown Insurance and Tax Advisors LLC. Brown Financial Advisors and Brown Insurance and Tax Advisors are affiliated companies and may only transact business in those states in which registered or were otherwise legally permitted. Welcome back to the Sound Money Investment Show with Brown Financial Advisors. I'm Greg Brown. And I'm James Borth, and we are a registered investment advisory firm. We are independent. We do work for clients, not companies. Our phone number, 513-575-9654. Website, brownfinancialadvisors.com. Email team at brownfinancialadvisors.com. Our home office is in Milford, but we also have locations in Blue Ash, Westchester, and Florence. Greg? So as we continue discussing estate planning mistakes and uh, how to avoid them, keep in mind once you establish an estate plan, which includes, first and foremost, an overall financial plan, proper investments structured, uh, your retirement strategy, your income and investments taken care of so that you'll have the cash flow in retirement since retirement's really about cash flow. All that, let's say, is settled and done. This is that next chapter, like turning the page. How do you establish the proper estate plan um, so that your legacy is already mapped out? Because, um, you know, you just never know what you don't know. And this, this particular life, life transition events, they just, they happen. And again, as mentioned, typically by accident, right? Um, if you have a little foreknowledge that you're, you're going to be transitioning, well, it can help. But typically, it's not the case. Um, and estate plan shouldn't be thrown together last minute. It should be established, and just as an FYI, you should review the plan at regular intervals. Let's say every five years is a good um, approach. Now, for all of you listening, don't forget to go to our website and check out the seminar section. You can have dinner on us or dinner with us. We have dates. You just It's so simple. You just click a date you'd like to go to a certain place and, and participate in the retirement seminar and investment um, seminar together. And then uh, the date, the location, and you can choose a, a primary backup date, or you can just come on in and we'll make sure that you get to go out to dinner and um, we'll just get started. Some people just want to get started. So with estate planning mistakes, another area is assuming you're too young to plan. You know, young adults today, they believe estate plans are not necessarily uh, for them. It's not until you reach an older age or old age. Truth is, if you're an adult, you should have at least some type of estate plan in place, even if it's just a simple one. So common misconception here is estate planning is like thinking it's just a matter of distributing private property in your old age and only benefiting loved ones um, after you've passed. Well, there's more to it. Now, it leaves many young adults just unprepared in the event they do pass prematurely and unexpectedly. So surprisingly, there are, um, I don't, I hope you don't spend your time in this this section of the newspaper too much, but in the obituary section, you'll you'll routinely see Folks in their 30s and 40s uh, pass, and you know you wonder where, where, where did they, who did they leave, where did they leave off? Or young people today, this newspaper. What's a newspaper? Good point. Digital online. Um, <laughs> yeah, where do you go digitally for obituaries? Well, nonetheless, uh, if you were to become one of those statistics, we yeah. want you to be prepared. What was that? There's word? that word statistics. There it is, folks. Well, how about this? Just to kind of update the adage about the premature, unexpected part. You know, if you've, if you've seen and read the, high, the headlines that say, you know, such and such person died suddenly, 
I'm not going to try to get too conspiratorial here, but you see a lot of this happening for people in their 30s and 40s these days. And that's why you're never too young to start on something like this. It doesn't mean it has to be complicated. It could be as simple as all my stuff goes to her, all of her stuff goes to me, assuming it's male versus female on that. But the estate plan is designed to allow the person to make decisions, not have the state in charge of making decisions. That's really the whole point about all of this is you don't want the state to be the one who steps in and decides things for you. That's true. I guess like like you oftentimes say, uh, everyone has a plan, either have a plan to succeed or by default a plan to fail. Everyone has an estate. You have one that's structured and planned for um, intentionally, or you have one by default and the state's going to take care of that for you. Hey, James, what about people who try to structure things, even go as far as establishing trusts and but, but what? Well, that's another major mistake is, well, first and foremost, what the decision tree about do you even need a trust in the first place? Because many times you can do a lot of what the trust does by just having and updating your beneficiary forms. So properly named beneficiary designation forms goes a long ways towards making sure that your stuff goes to who you want it to go to. But if you do go down the road of of having a trust, it's equally important to also properly fund the trust. That means retitling your assets to where the trust is now the owner of those assets. It doesn't necessarily mean that you're getting those to where you no longer have control because then you get to the also another decision tree about revocable trust versus irrevocable trust. Revocable means you still maintain control. You're the you're the the grantor, the trustee of the trust in almost all of these cases. Irrevocable is where you're targeting maybe towards nursing home spend down or just trying to get assets out of the estate. But yes, not funding the trust is a major problem that we see. Yeah, getting everything properly titled transition into the ownership and control of the trust so that then it can take control and then things can be distributed all in accordance to the elements of the trust because when you pass, the um, all the stuff inside the trust goes to a form of irrevocability. So your last will and wish embedded in the trust becomes the final say on the matter and your trustee becomes the... Uh, the fiduciary who must execute exactly to the terms, conditions without bias to the benefit of the beneficiaries of your legacy. But as James is saying, failing to fund the trust, it could be like this. You just have a really pretty binder on a bookcase in your home office called your trust. And it's on pretty parchment paper and the whole nine yards. But unfortunately, it's nothing other than eye candy because if it hasn't had properly titled assets put into the name of the trust, it is nothing more than just that pretty parchment paper binder and eye candy. I think that's the the problem is there's a misconception about who's in charge. It's not the attorney, it's you. Now, the attorney, usually it's like following marching orders. Once you give them the proper instructions, once you give them the authorization to write up the legal document, that's a different story. But you are the one who is responsible for making sure stuff gets done if you're the trustee or the grantor of the trust. That, so uh, just the terminology here, when we use words like the trustor or the grantor, that's the person who creates the trust. That's the person who is in charge. Remember that. It's kind of like owning a station wagon. When I was a kid, we had a station wagon. That was popular once upon a time. And, uh, of course, once mom and dad bought the station wagon, it was incumbent upon them to load it up with all the kids, right? you got to load up your trust with your stuff. All right, Greg, how about the next one about failing to review and update your estate plan along the way? 
Well, five to 10 years review is good. We mentioned earlier that you should review your estate plan about every five years. But as you get closer to the end of life's journey, you might want to do it a little more often because people fall in and out of uh, favor, let's say. It's almost Uh, like time speeds up as we get older, right? Doesn't it? It's like the wind picks up and the pages flip faster and faster, and then you get to the other side of the book cover. Anyway, review. It's important. And then these life changes do happen right under our noses. And um, I'm not saying you have two noses, but uh, getting married, divorced, children, grandchildren, increase and decrease in assets, transition of assets, selling off things, bringing on new stuff, making sure, again, that those are properly titled into the trust. You'll get in the habit, if you do have a trust, to just make the trust the owner of stuff. It's like it's its own entity. Um, but it doesn't have to be that cumbersome or complicated, as we oftentimes tell folks a trust is usually used when you want to speak from the grave. You want to set a series of conditions and triggers that must be met for more money to be doled out, if, when, or ever. And um, so otherwise, as James said, so much of estate planning can be effectively done through um, transfer on death, payable on death, properly named beneficiaries, keeping them updated by percentage, and then keeping your overall financial plan on target. Those are really easy ways for all of us to do what we need to do. But checking it from time to time is good. Uh, two years as you approach the end, every five years otherwise. And if you're really young, you get it set in place, maybe check it in every 10 years. But uh, James? Well, speaking from beyond the grave, sometimes just it's like saying you have a responsibility to make sure that things get done in a proper and responsible way. That means, especially if you have children, adult children at that, who are not as responsible, and this is this is what we see quite a bit, is you have maybe one person, one child who is completely responsible, fantastic with money, and the other one, not so much. Hey, stay out of my family business. <laughs> it's that close to home. It happens in almost every family. Yeah. So sometimes what you're doing is you're helping to protect that person who is not so good at handling money or you know, handling their assets, handling their stuff, which your stuff then becomes their stuff. But you want to make sure that they don't spend it all at once is kind of the point about that. Greg, any, any other thoughts? Uh, no, I think you nailed it. And then uh, the difference between an estate and how it looks at your age 40 versus when you're, uh, you know, age 75 and they look a lot different. People get older, children grow up, they become emancipated adults, you know, they're, they're no longer included directly in the responsibility of your state. They're responsible for themselves. And uh, that's a good thing. So when you look at, uh, two, you, you transition from a focus of children to grandchildren and broaden the legacy multi-generationally. What are you going to do about it? Surviving spouse comes first, typically. Uh, charities and people you love and things you care about, secondarily. But that sounded so oversimplified because it is. There's more to it. Oh, there's much more. Our phone number at the office, 513-575-9654. Call us we can help, but stay tuned listening to the Sound Money Investment Show with Brown Financial Advisors here on 55KRC. The talk station. Welcome back to the Sound Money Investment Show with Brown Financial Advisors. I'm Greg Brown. And I'm James Borth, and we are an independent RIA. That's a registered investment advisory firm. We do work for clients, not companies. And it does all start with having a plan that, well, again, actually having a plan, knowing what you own and why you own it. So whether you're seeking advice on old 401k, 403b, IRA rollover, investment planning, retirement planning, income planning, tax planning, it's that time of the year, Social Security maximization, a Roth conversion analysis, 
for some perhaps even an NUA analysis and an in-service rollover if you're still working. All those and more we can help, 513-575-9654. Our website, brownfinancialadvisors.com. Email team at brownfinancialadvisors.com. And our home office is in Milford, but we also have locations in Blue Ash, Westchester, and Florence, y'all. James, you just kind of mentioned um, tax season and tax preparation time. It's time to just get the taxes filed. Well, we want you to know in working with us that you have the opportunity all year long to do some tax planning so you can change the outcome of the tax season tax preparation and have a better outcome. And along with that, just the topic of taxes, your estate will transition at some level of tax friendliness, all the way from tax trapped and tax unfriendly to fairly tax efficient to even more so tax free. The latter would be very nice. Well, with some planning, you can not only establish your estate, but equally importantly, you can have the right financial plan, trajectory, projections, and reality that's more tax friendly, not only just for you as a living benefit, but in the time of transition that the legacy, your loved ones will receive a much more tax friendly uh, package the final package. And procrastination, gosh, that uh, that kind of permeates a lot of life if we allow it to, but that's a controllable. See, that's one of the things that we can control. So let's do that. Don't procrastinate. Not having an estate plan, a will, a living trust, power of attorneys, healthcare directives, all that stuff. Do you know that 70% of adults have failed to create one? We know you don't mean to fail to get around to do that, but um, how about we just get it done? We will help you coordinate, get that accomplished. So that's just one less thing you have to do along the journey. And creating that plan, you know, mainly because the the unaware financial obligations involved, it maps out who does what, when, why, and how. It, instead of just walking kind of aimlessly through a transition in life. You know, you probably have a, a lost an adult parent or two. If you're in our peer group, a peer group you probably have lost uh, both. What was that experience like? Other than the grief aside, um, how did it go with the assets and the will? And, you know, did you know where to find everything? Um, did you understand why it was structured the way it was, if it was even structured? Or did you keep looking for a will or a trust and didn't know when to stop because you didn't know, you know, if it did or didn't exist? Now, all kinds of things. We have a generational vault all of our clients have access to. No subscription for your cost. It'll store in one place your statement of net worth, your investments uh, that we manage, outside investments and accounts, all in one place, and a place for all of your important documents, including tax and financial and legal, so that if you have authorized folks named and something happens to you, it's all in one place. They get the benefit of, of singular advice, a quarterback to lead them through the transition. So don't, don't put it off. We'll make it as easy as, as possible. So let's just say let's not procrastinate on this area anymore. Get it done. And it doesn't have to be as dramatic as what we see in the movies where everyone's sitting around for the reading of the will. It's, it doesn't or should not be that way, but you can make it that way if you just enjoy doing that, right? Yep. Here's another major mistake we see is not meeting with an experienced legal, financial, or tax professional, or sometimes none of the above or sometimes all of the above. Because yeah, ultimately, this is what you're wrapping together. Yes. right here. Yes. So meeting with someone who can provide really in one stop, one place, all of these different areas of advice. So, you know, we're not holding ourselves to be attorneys. We don't write out the legal documents. We certainly can give you some common sense legal advice. But once again, when it comes to actually writing up the trust document, we have a very uh, experienced firm that we work with who does that. 
And one of the reasons why we work with them is they don't try to upsell you things that you don't need. So a lot of times if you go ask for, like you go to an attorney, say, do I need a trust? And they're like, well, what do you know? We sell trust. So of course you need a trust. It, it doesn't work or it should not work that way is the point. Yeah. Some consultation advice, direction. Uh, oftentimes folks just get the trust bug in their, in their brain and they, they walk around thinking they need to get a trust. And rarely does a, does a family unit need a trust. And our attorneys, oftentimes they hear that, you know, I want to set up a trust and they'll say, well, why? Like James said, and then very rarely will they recommend you do that. Oftentimes they recommend against it because it adds layers of complication. You know, a trust becomes its own legal entity at your passing. It gets its own tax ID number. It gets taxed at a higher tax rate. Oftentimes there are just some faux pas over just the buzzword trust. Um, it doesn't make you any more or any less having one. Just have one if you need one. There are it's several fun. very effective ways of avoiding probate. That means having your estate going into a probate case and having the, the really the state helping to decide, being the decider for these things. Again, properly named beneficiary forms, properly titled assets. That's, those are the two most important steps that helps you to avoid probate. There are a lot of legal firms that have seminars, workshops, dinner workshops, and things like that who leverage scare, fear, so that uh, you think you've just got to get a, some kind of highfalutin special trust of some kind, Medicaid trust, uh, grant or donor, this, that stuff, just complication, expense, unnecessary layers, just not needed. But what we find is typically they're wanting to sell a, an expensive package and ongoing maintenance and then they set themselves up to be the only people can settle your state and boy do they bill for that too and then what do you know they have a financial partner that they're throwing the financial stuff right over their shoulder and they're cross-licensed and certified and they can get some payola through that too used to be called like a trust mill operation it's frowned upon and i just tell you once you come to a quarterback of all things financial first get some sifting through what you have your goals, your objectives, your needs, let us quarterback and tell you what plays need to be executed. So then you can go with good information and make these decisions. And and we'll chaperone you throughout the entire dance and party. We'll take you to the dance. We'll make sure you get home on time and safely too, that you don't spend things you don't need to spend money on and get things you don't need and complicate your life further. Can't tell you how many people got wound up in trust that we had to help them unwind from because they had no idea how cumbersome it all became over time. And, well, I'll stop there. Just give us a call on that. We will help or come to one of our workshops. Uh, go online, brownfinancialadvisors.com. Go to seminars. Find a date and time. Come on in. Don't wait for a workshop. Let's get started. Um, whatever works best for you because you probably have needs you're not aware of. Sometimes we don't even ask the right questions. Wall Street and the information highway creates questions for someone else's purposes so that you're asking their questions and then they're giving you the contrived uh, boilerplate answer, which happens to line up right to the services they want to sell and monetize you with. When we want to step back and have you ask the right question, get the right answer and get the correct result for your benefit. That's what a financial fiduciary does. So just kind of also, how about this? No matter if you're a do-it-yourselfer or if you're hiring someone to help you with these things, it kind of starts with this. When you say, well, let's take an inventory of our stuff, right? What exactly do you own? Who actually owns it? So that's where it starts, having an inventory, making sure that you actually maybe write stuff down for a change, but also take into consideration some of these different factors, like what is your current level of income? What are your different sources of income? What's your likely future income? 
what are your expenses, whether that's on a monthly, annual basis? You know, have you done a budget? What are your expenses? What are your inflows? What are your outflows? And, and going back again to the different assets, the stuff that you own, but also what do you owe? What are your debts? What are your obligations? What are the tax implications of different things like federal transfer taxes, state debt taxes, federal income taxes? So depending upon where you live, what state that you are in, what state your stuff is in, you might be subject to different types of, of rules or laws depending upon, again, what state that you live in. Yes, you look through that summary. The inventory is an important step in the process. And then, um, you know, do you want your beneficiaries of the trust or trustee or um, the trustee will need to know, obviously, that they're a trustee. The power of attorneys who will be successors to make sure that uh, if you become incapacitated, they can make decisions on your behalf. That's whether you're structuring wills or trust. But do you want all the beneficiaries to know or do you want us to know? We inform, we educate, and we recommend, and we roll it out at the time you're passing. There's a lot of options there. Um, but once again, making sure that they know what you know their role is in all of this. If someone is a beneficiary on your different uh, whatever you have, your assets, do they know this? Do they have a copy of your plants? And that's that's another thing that we recommend, again, with our vault storage, is storing your digital assets. That means your, your copies of those different wills, trusts, power of attorney forms, and making sure that those people have copies, digital copies, if not actual paper copies of those things. Very important. We're in a different age, folks. You're, I'm sure you're well aware. James mentioned digital resources, digital assets. We live in a time now, if you have digital credentials to access certain accounts at different financial institutions, custodians and such, if your family do not have those credentials, they could be locked out and separated and have a lengthy court battle to get access to your stuff. If we have it in the vault and we have access and authorization and you pre-authorized people, we can help coordinate all that so your assets don't get locked up into the ether. Just some thoughts. All right. Our phone number at the office, 513-575-9654. Again, 513-575-9654. Call us. We can help. But stay tuned. You're listening to the Sound Money Investment Show with Brown Financial Advisors here on 55KRC, the talk station. Welcome back to the Sound Money Investment Show with Brown Financial Advisors. I'm Greg Brown. And I'm James Worth, and we are an independent RIA, Registered Investment Advisory Firm. We do work for clients, not companies. That's Main Street and not Wall Street. Our phone number, 513-575-9654. Website, brownfinancialadvisors.com. Email, team at brownfinancialadvisors.com. Our home office is in Milford, but we also have locations in Blue Ash, Westchester, and Florence. Greg? James, I was just thinking, I believe this summer we'll have our 15th year on radio. Happy anniversary. Yeah, a little early because you know what? We, we may not be here. This is our form of estate planning and recognition that we've been on 15 years. Kids are not here to say we've been on here for 15 years. Radio, I don't know, podcasting, maybe not 15 years for that, but it's, it's now basically the same thing. Radio show, podcast. Yeah. So, yes, all, happy 14 and a half your anniversary at this point. And with that, check out the podcast. Listen anytime. Uh, let's see estate planning mistakes, how to avoid them. Something that comes up, you might be more aware of leaving your assets as joint tenancy. Not necessarily a mistake. Just simply know what this means. Yeah. Cause, um, 
a jointly held property can become a bit of a nightmare if uh, unexpected tax and non-tax problems when the property is titled jointly between the individuals occurs. I mean, some examples, what can and has happened when property that you have is jointly owned, the surviving owner can give away or leave the formerly jointly owned property to anyone they want, regardless of the desires of the deceased owner. Hmm. Is that according to your will? If you don't have one, it's according to their will. Again, things take care of themselves without you. Don't let it be that way. In other words, holding property jointly results in a total loss of the control at your death. And the surviving owner can completely ignore, may very well not know, I mean, let's give them the benefit of the doubt, your wishes as the decedent on how to dispose of that property or what to do with it. Now, if it's a surviving spouse, that may be actually a good thing that they have control over the asset. Again, once they've completed the proper paperwork. But the point is knowing what you're you're about to set into motion by having things jointly owned. Well, you know, I can think of one that we share in the seminar a lot. Um, if it's the spouse, it could be good or it could be bad. Just ask Dale Earnhardt Jr. Because when the third wife of, uh, of Dale Earnhardt inherited the estate, inherited the business, inherited the namesake, Dale Earnhardt Jr. didn't even own his own name. So you know when people sit and get paid person after person for signing autograph and memorabilia, he didn't own his own name anymore. He eventually left that, that uh, racing, that racing team. team. Yeah, It's just, there's one example. <laughs> What's yours? Don't have one. Let's make sure you don't have one. Well, here's, here's another one that goes into uh, what we see quite a bit, where parents seem to be getting into a hurry of putting their kids' names on the deed of the house, for example. Yeah. And what this creates is a potential issue of is a gift versus inheritance. So remember this. If you put, while you're still alive, their name on the deed of the property, you've effectively gifted them half the value of the house. All right? Now, what that also means is upon death, they do not receive a step up of cost basis of that asset. So whether it's the house or something else, suddenly you could create a major tax issue if you had previously gifted them something that they otherwise would have inherited. The example would be if you have, let's just say, a $100,000 house. You bought it way back when for 20000 Well, once the children typically inherit mom and dad's house or they're gifted the house, they don't want to keep it. They were going to sell it. So cost basis of twenty, selling price of a hundred, you now get to report taxes on the eighty thousand dollar gain versus the step up, present day value a hundred thousand, you sell it for a hundred thousand, no taxes are owed. That's the difference. So if you gift it, they inherit your cost basis. If it's inherited, they have the step up and their cost basis equals fair market value at the time of your death. So therefore if they sold it one second after and there was no appreciable gain over the market value there would be no tax. And those are just some of those tax-related issues. Here's a simple one to keep in mind too. You're losing control of an asset. Are you really ready? Or some part of a control? Or how about this? They now own something that you're trying to structure on purpose for some maybe good reasons. However, they run into um, uh, tax issues, IRS problems, and there's a low-hanging plum. There's some property that could be forced in the sale to liquidate, create the cash. Um, what if they, they um, are married you know, to your in-law and the in-law becomes an outlaw. You just gave them another asset to go fight over in court. All kinds of things to consider. All right. Well, how about forgetting about estate taxes? Now, we kind of get kind of jaded in where the current laws say that there's a massive amount that could be exempted from potential estate taxes. And usually at the state level, like locally here, 
Most states do not have a quote-unquote estate tax, but Kentucky, for example, does have different forms of inheritance tax depending upon who's inheriting your stuff. But something else, too, is not just inheriting or estate, you know, these, the taxes are concerned, but how about gifting? What can you do during your lifetime as far as potential gifting? What are the exemption amounts? Why that's important is you want to keep the government out of your stuff if you possibly can. You know, it's like keeping the camel's nose from underneath that tent is, is the analogy. This year, 2023, you can do up to 17000 per person per year as far as gifting is concerned, the exemption level. But if you do go over that number, it just means you have to report that to the government, file a tax return. That sometimes the reportability creates issues, maybe, and, and that's why the exemption level is important. Because if you can stay under that level, then we do encourage you to try to stay under that level. Greg, any thoughts on that? Um, not really. Just don't get too aggressive with your gifting because make sure you have enough resources to make it through life alive. Um, sometimes we see people get so gung-ho for gifting to children and grandchildren and, um, and then you know bad markets come along or, or situations they don't count on or healthcare exposure and expenses just stuff. So we want to do that in a measured fashion too. And then there's a little bit of a bonus here. You, you have, you know, this situation where according to the IRS, it will not claw back the lifetime gifts if or when the exemptions lowered after 2025, because some of the current tax code is set to sunset in 2025. Was that before the 87,000 extra agents that they hired? I don't know. I don't want to get too political on this one. Just know that the estate tax exemption amount is scheduled after 2025 to be decreased by about 75%. That's a pretty massive tax increase by really any other measure. couple things more um, that we have time for. Failing to detail property title your assets. If you don't properly title the assets, let alone title it inside your estate plan, inside a trust or inside the will, or if there's inconsistencies on how it's titled, could present some problems in court, some confusion. Um, the, the mistakes, you know, to really steer clear of. There are so many more. Um, Another one is life insurance. You know, this this may get into where if you have a trust established, sometimes the reason to have or the reason to have a trust is for a life insurance policy, an irrevocable life insurance trust. You know, but now we're talking about something altogether different. But the the, the point usually about that is to get money either out of the estate or to properly pay the taxes that is going to come due from these larger estates without having to sell the assets is, is the point. Definitely. And, and if you do establish some advanced estate planning, the question on whether you leave certain assets to a trust, even if you have a trust, should certain assets always be named beneficiaries, such as an IRA? We find typically an IRA should be to named beneficiaries and it, uh, generally matches the same percentages and same people that are also represented in your trust as beneficiaries doesn't have to and know that whatever's contractually listed as named beneficiaries on insurance policies and investment accounts and other accounts it prevails so you might have this well thought out will or trust but it's inconsistent with your other named beneficiaries on different documents those documents will be superior to your trust or your will so we've got to make sure these things are in harmony. You know, and we mentioned before about the digital stuff, and this is when people are creating estate plans. They're usually tip, typically, I'd say, thinking of their physical assets, such as their home, their cars, their family heirlooms, 
stuff that's not otherwise tied down by beneficiary form. But as Greg mentioned before, don't forget about your digital assets, such as your online bank accounts, your PayPal, Venmo accounts, iTunes, email, website domains for some, Facebook, Meta, Instagram, LinkedIn, Twitter, Coinbase, if you're into the cryptos, all that and more is what people yeah. should be thinking of. Yeah, who's going to own the digital you and will they have access to the digital stuff? There's more. There's much more. I'll front it up at the office, 513-575-9654. Again, 513-575-9654. Call us. We can help. Now, on behalf of Greg, myself, James, thank you for listening today. Have a great week. And remember this, sound money, where good things are believable, achievable, and true for you. <laughs>